0: Listen now to God's Word from John chapter 14, verses 16 through uh, 18. This is the part of the upper room teaching or discourse as it's called. Um, I preached from this last week, two weeks ago, Jeremy did from this very same chapter. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Where is God in a pandemic? This is a question I read in an article, a faith-based article that involved uh, some input, some opinion from pastors, from clergy, both active who are still in the ministry of all ages, as well as some retired clergy. And I read the comments of a Lutheran pastor um, who is convinced that God has left our world. He served churches for over 40 years, but he feels like God has abandoned us. And this retired pastor is struggling to understand why God has left us. Now, the simple confession of my life that I've spoken hundreds of times in this church over the years asserts something very different, doesn't it? God is with us. God is for us. But not everyone believes that. And especially right now. The health insurance company, Cigna, conducted an annual loneliness survey in 2018. And they found this, that 46% of Americans feel lonely sometimes or always. And 47% report feeling left out sometimes or always. Friends, that's one in two people in this country that indicate that, that they feel isolated abandoned and alone in this world and because of this pandemic probably that is a lot worse. Contrary to what we might think though here's an interesting finding in that Cygna survey older Americans who are a part of that greatest generation uh, we're talking about folks in their 80s and above they are least likely to report feelings of loneliness. Only 25% of them. But on the other hand, uh, young men and women in their 30s and 20s, uh, the Generation Z, the Generation X, the Millennials, these folks say that they feel lonely much of the time at a rate of 60%. Now it's been my experience in counseling and caring for others as a pastor that issues of anxiety and loneliness and isolation are often associated with experiences of abandonment. A father or a mother left a family when a child was growing up and didn't return. And the impact stays with that individual their entire lives. A spouse is unfaithful. And leaves a marriage. Grown children have been rejected by their parents or a parent. Because of a disagreement over choices. Over lifestyle that they don't approve of. Broken friendships. Betrayals. I mean it goes on and on. A common theme that I hear from people that are in crisis. That that are struggling in their day to day lives. Is that someone has abandoned them in the past so the question during this time especially is a relevant one is god truly with us is god truly for us and and i will acknowledge that sometimes it seems that he is not however much of what jesus said in this upper room teaching is is about reassuring the disciples, that even though Jesus was about to be betrayed on Thursday, crucified on Friday, and put in a tomb, and, and then later to leave them all together to leave planet Earth on, on Ascension Day, that, that in spite of all of that, Jesus reassures them throughout these chapters, chapters 13 through 17, that though he may be leaving them physically, he is not leaving them altogether. John 14, the passage that Jeremy preached from uh, two weeks ago, Jesus promised this. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There's plenty of room in my Father's house. And I go to prepare a place for, for you And if I do that, if I go away and do that for you, then you can be certain I will come again. Later in that same chapter, he says, I will not leave you orphaned. I will come to you. Then Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid because you heard me say to you, I am going away. And then in chapter 16, He says, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Jesus was about to leave them. And apparently there was some anxiety and sorrow and and, um, feelings of isolation that already were rising up in these men. I'm certain you feel that way sometimes. Some of us more than others. I know I have felt that. Um, I struggle with that even today in my life, these anxious feelings. And it seems that the older I get, the more anxious I've become, which doesn't make sense to me entirely because my faith seems to be deeper and stronger and my relationship with Jesus more intimate. But, but these outside forces, these circumstances beyond our control, particularly uh, as we age, can be a trigger for feeling alone in this life today is ascension sunday which follows the day of ascension which was last week which is the 40th day of the season of easter yep it's been over 40 days since we missed resurrection sunday (laughs) at least we missed being here Uh, It marks the end of Jesus' physical presence here on earth. That is what the ascension is about. We say in the Apostles' Creed, on the third day He rose again, He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That is core Christian belief. I believe this window that, that is above me here on this back wall of the sanctuary. I believe it pictures that ascension. Some have told me they think it's the second coming. But whether Jesus is going or coming, uh, He's in the clouds, right? He's either leaving us with the promise of, uh, of a return, or He is on His way back. And both of those events, the ascension and the second coming, are very, very important to Christianity. In fact, the second coming is uh, often called the blessed hope of the church. that Though Jesus has tarried, as they used to say uh, in the old days, has, has, has held His hand of, of coming to judge the earth in order that as many people as possible can repent and come to faith in Him, He is coming again someday. It is associated, this second coming, With the reign and rule of God on the earth, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, the end of human suffering, the coming of that peace that that Christina uh, longingly sung about after the prayer this morning, another prayer, uh, prayed through song. The early church believed it would be soon and very soon, as Mike's going to sing in a few moments. They really did believe that, that in the first century it would happen. And the disciples seemed to think that maybe, maybe the kingdom would fully come like that day on the Mount of Olives as as they stood there with Jesus. They said, Lord, this is the last question they asked Jesus. They said, Lord... Is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? They were looking for an overthrow of the Romans, no doubt. They were looking for shalom and all of its its richness and its variations to dawn on the nation of Israel to spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the main themes of John 13 through 17, however, is, is the relationship that the disciples must continue with Jesus after He leaves. He makes it very clear He is leaving them. And in order for them to have a fruitful life and to fulfill the mission and the ministries that He has given to them, they need to stay connected to the Father just as He has been in union with the Father. And so John 15 really Uh, Some commentators think that's the core of this teaching, of this passage. It's the most important part, the the vine and the branches. For Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if I'm working in you, if my life-giving presence and power is flowing through you, you will bear much fruit. So their faithfulness and success is dependent upon something outside of themselves. And that is this person of the Holy Spirit. All the mentoring, the coaching, the teaching, the equipping that Jesus had given them over three years was not enough. Now, that goes against common sense for us, doesn't it? We think the more education you get, the more training, the more seminars and workshops you attend, the more books you have in your library, and hopefully read, The smarter and more equipped and the more fruitful and faithful you will be. But Jesus says there's something more. Wait. Wait for this. Wait for this because without him you will fail. I'm leaving but someone just as good as me is coming soon. And this Holy Spirit was not fully comprehended at this point. Even as they stood on the Mount of Ascension uh, and Jesus' returned to the Father was carried away uh, supernaturally into a cloud and disappeared, they were told to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. This is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, Jesus calls this third person of the Trinity in the King James Bible, calls him the comforter. The Greek word is parakletos, uh, often transliterated in English to paraclete. Not parakeet, but paraclete. And, And the paraclete is another helper, another comforter, another encourager, another enabler that is coming just like me, but better than me, Jesus says, because I was with you. I was bodily present with you, but he is going to be in you. He is going to be in you. About this time last year, I started having terrible headaches. And um, I didn't know what was going on. Um, There were a number of tests that were done to, to rule out you know some serious things like a brain tumor. I was having vertigo and some nausea and my vision was not exactly right and they finally determined, a neurologist did, that I have vestibular migraines which issue from the inner ear. Uh, I've been on a monthly injection now for many months called Amovic and I have to tell you this drug has been life-changing for me. It's amazing. Uh, Instead of having you know, seven to 15 migraine headaches a month, I'm having maybe one or none. So it's been incredible. But there is a side effect to this drug that I've just recently come to really understand. It causes fatigue and weakness in the muscles of my leg and especially in both of my arms. This, um, this has not been my strong suit. You know, I'm not a muscle man, as y'all know. Uh, the heaviest thing I lift is a commentary probably. But uh, but I, I don't have a lot of upper body strength, as some guys do, because of the nature of my work and the fact that I don't go to the gym. But it's made been it's been made worse by this injection that I take every month. This past couple of weeks, we've been getting things ready for the move and I rented a pickup truck to, to haul some things to my son's house in North Carolina, and um, I had to have some help. One of them was a chest, I mean, an upright freezer and some other things, some furniture and some things and some boxes, and, and um, so Troy Thomas, who's here this morning wearing his mask, and also uh, David Pitts and his son Will, uh, Denise's husband and son, they came to the parsonage to help. And it's a really good thing because I could not have loaded much of anything without their help. And at one point, I don't know if he remembers doing it, it was instinctive, I think on Troy's part. I feel kind of like his dad at times, which is not a bad thing, is it Troy? Um, And he feels like my son and he has been so helpful to me and so quick to please me and assist me. And as I began to falter, and I can't remember what I was trying to lift up and put in the back of this pickup truck, I mean, the life was just going out of my legs, and I was about to go down. And man, he just picked up on it, and he just rushed to my side and grabbed the weight, the load that I was trying to carry and pushed it on into the truck. And friends, that is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives. In fact, the word in the Greek means one who is called alongside to help. He he doesn't get out in front of us. He is not behind us. He is beside us. And this is the parakletos. This is the one that Jesus promised. The one who would come alongside to help us. You know, sometimes I think we imagine what it must have been like to be an early disciple of Jesus, one of the twelve, who walked with him and talked with him and saw him do miracles and heard his amazing teaching and his parables, who were on the Sea of Galilee with him when he calmed that storm or on the shore when he fed 5,000 people. Tourists who go to the Holy Land, pilgrims as we call them, often want to find a place. We want to find a place, don't we, Paul? Where we can say when we get back, I stood where Jesus stood. Uh, I experienced some kind of, you know metaphysical connection with the land and with the places where Jesus physically lived and taught and performed His miracles. But surprisingly, Jesus does not lift that up as the ultimate. He does not say to his disciples that what they have been through with him over the past three years is the pinnacle. No, he says to them, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage. It is best for you if I leave you alone. Because in reality you won't be alone. Because another, another helper, help, uh, helper, and comforter, and advocate, uh, this Paracletos, he is coming, and he will not only be with you as I have been with you, he will be in you. He will be in you. We look forward to the return of Jesus, just like the disciples. And there are days I wish it it would would be very soon. Soon and very soon. But until that day, we have a job to do. And the one who empowers us, who gifts us, who, who, who changes our character and transforms us into the image of Christ so that the fruit of our lives resembles Jesus. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. This Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus promised and poured out on Pentecost, and the one who is in us today. Praise God for that. And it's because we have the Holy Spirit, uh, as a result of the ascension, directly related to the ascension, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have the potential... The possibility of living a life that is fruitful and faithful and life-changing, not just for us personally, but especially for others. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And He said, and don't you forget that I am with you always. I am not leaving you. Not really. Because the Holy Spirit is coming to you. The disciples, as Marcus read at the beginning of this service, were standing there on the top of that hill across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. And they were just staring up into heaven. Jesus had disappeared. And these two men dressed in white, presumably angels, said to them, Fellas! What are you doing? Why are you standing here looking up to heaven? Get on with it. And if you read further in the book of Acts, you know that that's exactly what they did. For ten days, they gathered with a large group of other followers of Jesus, including the women, in, in an upper room, and they prayed together. Corporately together as a community of faith, as the body of Christ, waiting and watching for the Holy Spirit to come. And as a result, they were empowered to be the witnesses and the servants, the transformative servants of Christ in their daily lives and in their ministries together. I want to close by telling you about the worst job I ever had. I'd. I was hired by a guy who was in my Sunday school class at the Methodist church we were attending while I was in Bible college. Not a pastor yet, but I was looking toward becoming a pastor. So this has been, you know, nearly 40 years ago. And this guy had a cleaning service, and he had gotten a contract for a housing project there in Columbia that had been fully repainted. And he hired me to clean... um, the apartments that had been painted. Now, he said, I'm gonna pay you by the apartment. And it takes as many days as it takes, but you'll get X number of dollars for each apartment you clean. And I had to scrape paint off windows, off the floor, off the tubs, the toilets, the the appliances in the kitchen. I've never seen such a mess. There, There was paint everywhere. And all he gave me was a spray bottle with some kind of tepid, cleaner in it and a knife a scraping knife and said go at it well after one full day of work I had one apartment cleaned just one I don't know what my hourly wage was but it was pathetic and I was so upset I was upset with Larry this guy that had hired me um I was anxious because I hadn't met his expectations. I just felt like he had just abandoned me in that moment. And the problem was not my work ethic. I mean, I just killed myself that day, unair conditioned Columbia, South Carolina in the summer. It's close to, you know what, it's miserable. Um, It's absolutely miserable. But the problem was not that I was lazy. And I did have a bad attitude. I will admit that. It was pretty lousy, but for good reason. The problem was is that the boss didn't give me the tools to get the job done. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not leave us to our own devices. He did not ask us to figure this thing out on our own. He came to us. He came alongside us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And all that we need to live an abundant, fruitful, faithful life of discipleship is ours in Christ by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is why for years now in this church we begin our worship, many of our gatherings uh, with this phrase, Ancient prayer of the church, come, Holy Spirit, come. Do you feel abandoned, lonely, fearful, sorrowful, overwhelmed, weary, inadequate for a task? The list could go on and on. Do you feel deficient? Then receive the the Holy Spirit. Pray with me this wonderful prayer, simple prayer whenever you find yourself, uh, you know, between a rock and a hard place, whenever life is is crowding in around you, whenever you feel incredibly sad and anxious and full of despair, pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Now, Lord, we thank You for uh, the gift of Your presence in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that because you returned to the Father, because you ascended to heaven and received the glory that, w- that was once yours before you were born a baby in Bethlehem, because of, of the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, our lives can be changed and transformed and made new. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Whoever's hearing my voice today... Whatever the frailty, the weakness, the concern, the anxiety, the emotion, uh, Lord, come and fill in all these gaps. Come to them and empower them and give them and give them them your peace. Lord, I pray that this congregation, for as long as it exists here in this community, would be a Spirit-filled, Spirit-gifted, Spirit-enabled community of faith. In this I pray, in Jesus' name, Amen.